Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to continue to break down Luke chapter 9. And in the previous podcast when we started Luke chapter 9, we ended by talking about how Jesus had given his disciples the power and the authority to cast out demons and to heal people. And the reason why he did that was because he was sending them into these villages, places that they had never been before, people that they have never met before in their life. And he's going to be, he had told them that they are to preach about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is here. And to back up their message, he gave them the power and the authority to heal people and to cast out demons. But the main ingredient, if you will, the main uh, portion is the, the, the message. And that the message is the kingdom of God is here. And so he's going to send them out and he says, you can't take any extra clothes, you can't take any extra money, you can't take any uh, food, you can't take a money bag, don't even take a walking stick. And, and so you're going to leave here, at top, just home base, and you're going to go into these villages, places you've never been to before, people that you don't even know, and, and you're basically going to have to rely on God. You're going to have to fully trust that God is going to take care of you and that God is going to work through you. And so that's we ended the podcast by talking about fully trusting in God. And that is a very difficult thing to do when, when things aren't going so great in our lives. Um, it's easy to do when we're on the mountaintop. It's easy to do when things are going good. And, and things are going great and, and you know everything is lovely but the minute the doctor comes and says uh, you have terminal cancer you have two weeks to live or you have COVID and it, uh, you, you're gonna have to be you know put on a ventilator because your oxygen level is down and it's not looking good and it, it, you just fill in the blank you know you lose your job and, and, and you're faced with a ton of bills and you're faced with losing everything that you ever had just Fill in with any scenario, any situation that you have faced personally, that you know exactly what I'm talking about. When when that hard time comes, that life challenge comes, and sometimes we have a tendency to fall back instead of running to God because we, we have a tendency to be in control of our lives. And Jesus is telling his, these disciples, you're not going to have control. You're going to have to give God control of the situation and that's what that's really the theme all throughout Luke chapter 9 is is giving God control and letting go of control of our lives and that is a very difficult thing to do because we want to be in control and so we're going to pick up with this story as the disciples are returning back to Jesus from going into these villages and into these homes and, and telling people about the kingdom of God, and they've been working miracles, they've been casting out demons. And Luke says they return and they tell Jesus everything that they had done. And, and when they come back to find Jesus, they find Jesus again as he always was, 
everywhere that he went, he was surrounded by this huge crowd. And Luke is going to say that this crowd is in this crowd is about 5,000 men. And this number, when we say feeding of the 5,000, they only numbered the men. They did not number the women and children in that number. And so there was probably, and we talked this about this in depth when we covered the book of John. If you want to go back and, and, and listen to that podcast, you're more than welcome to. Um, but the number was more probably like 10,000 people, maybe even more if you count the women and, and the children. Because if you got 5,000 men, let's just say half of them are married, that's 7,500 right there. And if they have one child, that's another 2,500. That right there is very easily your 10,000 people. So there was probably more if you count men, women, and children. That's a lot of people. And so and remember, keep in mind that the, the, the thing that Jesus is trying to get these disciples, because Jesus is going to tell them here in just a little bit, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm about to die, uh, which they do not understand. But the theme is that, that Jesus is trying to, 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 to get them to understand is they're going to have to trust God and, and not put trust in themselves. And, and, and so the first thing that he does when the disciples come to Jesus they, they want to they send all these people home so that they can get some food. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, You feed them. You feed these 5,000 men. You feed these 10,000 people or 12,000 people or however many thousands of people there are. Jesus says, You feed them. I'm not sending them home. You're not going to send them home. You're going to feed them. And they look around and, 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 and they're seeing that they're in a desolate place. There, there's no food around, and so they come up with the obvious question that, that we would come up with, and they said, how are we going to feed all these people? There, there's not enough food. And what we don't see here in Luke's version uh, is that Jesus turns to one disciple in particular, and he says, what do you have to feed these people? And, and that disciple is... Uh, named in the book of John, John chapter 6, 5, and 6. And that disciple is Philip. And this is what John 6, 5, and 6 says. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And then uh, John says that he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. So Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he, he was not going to send these people home. He says, You feed them. And, and, and John lets us know that in particular he was looking at Philip and he says, you feed him, Philip. What are you going to feed all these people? What do you got that you can feed the, these 5,000 men or these 10,000 or these thousands of people? What, what, what are you going to do? Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he was testing his disciples. Why is he testing his disciples? Because he is wanting them to trust God and not trust in themselves. But here we go again with their doubt and, and, and with their disappointments because Philip and the other disciples, that they're putting their trust in mankind. And that's exactly what Jeremiah said we're not to do. We're to put our trust in God and we'll be blessed and we will be fruitful. But the, the disciples, they just they could not understand it. Not until 
the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. But Jesus asked Philip, he says, what are you, what are you going to feed all these people? Where, where, where are you going to buy bread uh, that's enough to feed thousands and thousands of people? And why would he turn to uh, Philip of all people? Well, we know in, from Luke chapter 9 verse 10 that they are in a, a place called Bethsaida. And, and guess who is from Bethsaida? Well, that would be none other than Philip. And we know that from John chapter 1 verse 44 that Philip is from Bethsaida. He, he would be familiar with that territory. He, if, if there's a restaurant open where he could go grab some food, he, or if there's a marketplace that's open where he can go grab some food, he would be the one that, that would be familiar with it. He would know where to go to get the food. But not only is Philip from Bethsaida, but from John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, we see that there's a disciple that chimes in with Philip, and that would be Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. Right. So you have... Philip, who's from Bethsaida, but also Andrew and Peter, who are brothers, they too are also from Bethsaida. So you have three guys, Philip, Andrew, and Peter, who would be familiar with this area and where they could go and buy enough food. But they're thinking flesh. They're, they're, they're thinking... I'm in control of the situation. He's asking me where I can go buy some food, and I'm from this area, so I should know where to go buy some food. And how am I going to take care of this situation? Because there's thousands upon thousands of people, and there's just not enough food out here in this desolate place that I can feed all these people. But the point of Jesus asking Philip to feed these people is to he he wants Philip to trust God and to rely on God and not upon his own understanding, not in his flesh. And it's the same message that Jesus wants us to learn today. When things look dim, when things aren't going your way, even when things are going your way and things are going great, trust God and not in yourself. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with such a huge crowd? See, they're thinking of the flesh. They're not putting their trust in God. How are we going to feed thousands upon thousands of people with just... I mean, there's 5,000 men. You know how men eat? Two, two fish and, and five barley loaves, that's not even going to feed me. So why would it feed 10,000 people or more? And so they're, they're thinking in their mind, this ain't, this ain't happening, Jesus. This is not going to happen, big fella. This, this just ain't enough. And Jesus says, you know, watch this. And said, well, technically, here's what Jesus said in reality. He replied, tell the people to sit down in groups of about 50 each. And so the people all sat down, which I'm sure took a few minutes. And the disciples are probably thinking, what in the world is he doing? And Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he looks up to heaven, and he blesses the five loaves and the two fish. And he begins to break those loaves into pieces. 
And as he breaks five loaves of bread into pieces, the pieces just keep coming and they keep coming. And he's giving the bread and he's giving the fish to the disciples. So, And he's telling them, you go and distribute it among this group of 50. And then come back and get you another uh, basket full and, and go to this group of 50. You come back and get you another basket full. And, and, and this, this two fish and these five loaves just continued to multiply over and over and over again. And verse 17 says that they ate as mu- they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So when the disciples are saying, this ain't going to happen, big fella, Jesus is saying, watch this. I'll take these two fish and I'll take these five loaves and I'll feed every person out here and I'll feed them as much as if they want seconds, if they want thirds. They can have as much as they want because I am greater than what you see with your eyes. You, he's saying, I am God in the flesh. I am the Messiah. I, I am the, the one that you have been looking for for a long time. I'm the one that the prophets spoke about in the Old Testament. The kingdom of God is here and I'm trying to prove it to you. And, and here's the thing, guys. You're going to be put in charge. I'm going to be leaving. And that's the message he's fixing to tell them right after this. That he is going to die and he is going to be ascending back to the Father, going back to heaven. And that they are going to be in charge. And he is trying to teach them in this three to three and a half year time span to rely on him, to put their trust in him and not in of themselves. And it's the same message that he's wanting us to learn today. And we'll get more into that when we come back from break. We'll be right back. We all know technology is great when it's operating properly, but when it's not, it can be a huge headache. Well, I want to tell you about my friend Joshua. He is a tech guru, and he is here to help you with any problems that you're having with your computer or your phone. Joshua offers computer troubleshooting. He can get rid of those viruses that slow your computer down. He offers computer training. He offers iPhone and iPad tutoring. He has Wi-Fi support. He offers web hosting. Joshua can come over to your house or he can help you with your situation by phone. Check out his website at joshuastechservices.com or give him a call at 865-268-6698. So Jesus is, is, is talking to his disciples and, he, and, and, and he's questioning them, how are we going to feed these 5,000 men? How are we going to feed their wives and their children? It's about 10,000 people or more. And, and he, he questions his disciples, how are we going to feed them? You know, what have you got, Philip? And you're from this area, uh, Andrew and, and Peter. Where can we go into town to buy food? that we can feed this amount of people. And they're, they're scratching their heads and they're saying, there's no way that, that you know, there's not enough food in this whole village to feed this many people. And, 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 and the whole theme, in my opinion, of Luke chapter 9 is Jesus trying to get his disciples to put, to put their trust, their full trust, to fully rely on him, to fully rely on God and, and and many times they would just they would even though they walked with Jesus on a daily basis they would revert back to the flesh and and they just did not get it they just did not understand but before we blast the disciples too much 
we need to, to look at ourselves because we're just as guilty today of doing the same thing. But it's easy to, because we want to be in control because we can see it. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We cannot physically see God. He is not standing before our very eyes. Jesus is not here in the flesh among us. We cannot reach out and touch him. And so we want to be in control of our lives. We want to make our own decisions and do what we think is right. And God is saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. And we're saying we want to trust you, but we're scared. And we keep reverting back to the flesh. And we just re uh, read a verse from Jeremiah 17 uh, in, in the last in the previous podcast. And Jeremiah says it's not a good thing to put your trust in mankind, in flesh. We are to put our trust in God. Because when we put our trust in God, we're like that tree that's planted by the, the river. And his roots go deep and their leaves stay green even in a dry season. And, and I ended the podcast by saying, who do you trust? Do you trust God? James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, so we know that James is writing to Christians, people who are following Jesus, who are putting their trust in Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it, an opportunity for great joy. In other words, when life challenges hit, when they come and you are knocked off your feet and you are just downtrodden and you're wondering what in the world is going on here, what is going on in my life, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Not fun. Not fun. But it happens. So let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. You will be mature and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. There it goes. Be sure that your faith, if you want to come to God and ask God for something, you better make sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. That's huge. That's a huge passage from James. The book of James, we'll get into the book of James in a podcast on down the road. Man, James just punches you in the face and knocks you out with what he has to say. But we have to fully trust God and, and, and not waver. Like James says, the, the, the wave in the sea is tossed to and fro. Because if we come to God and we're not fully trusting in God and we're doubting, we're not getting anything from God. That's what I didn't say that's what James said. But Jesus questions his disciples and and, and, and keep in mind that they've been going to the towns, they've been going to these villages, they're telling people that the kingdom of God is here, and they were given power to do miracles to back up the story. And, and so he, he, he's, 
he's he's asked them how are you going to feed all these people, right? And so he's asking them, you know, to don't trust in yourselves, don't trust in what you see around you, but put your trust in God. That that's the whole purpose. And so now he's going to question his disciples as they're 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 hanging out together, and he says, by the way, who, who do people say that I am? And some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptizer, and others say that you're one of the ancient prophets that has risen from the dead. And then Jesus asked him, but, but I want to know, you know, forget all those. I don't care what really what people say about me. That's not important. I want to know what you, you 12 men that I've handpicked to follow me, what, what do you say about me? Who, who do you say that I am? And Peter, you know, that's when Peter stands up and he replies, you are the Messiah sent from God. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the Son of God. You have been sent to us from God. Boy, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Peter's hit the nail on the head, and he, is, he has got it on point. It's like he's got it figured out. But not very much longer from this point. That's when Jesus is going to have to tell Peter, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> In verse 22, just right after Peter gets this out of his mouth, that you are the Messiah, you are sent from God, he's going to tell them in verse 22, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed. He's talking about himself. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And so here's what Jesus is saying to Peter and to the other 11. You, you, I want to know who you say that, well, who do the people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Okay, well, I'm going to die. You're talking about coming from a mountain down to a, a valley. Jesus just smacked Peter upside the head and said, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to be... Uh, betrayed. I'm going to be crucified by the religious people, and and and, and on the third day I'm going to raise from the dead. And here's what here here's why Jesus would tell this to Peter and to the other eleven, because he wants to know if they get it or if they don't get it. And although it does seem for just a, a few seconds that they do get it, we find out over and over and over again that they really do not get it. Like I said earlier, until the book of Acts. And then Jesus is going to turn to a, a crowd of people. And he he just told them, told the disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified and I'll, I'll be raised again on the third day. I want, uh, he's trying to he say, like, I'm going to see, you know, do you get it? Are you fully trusting me here? Are, are you fully relying on God? And so he turns to the crowd and he tells the crowd this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, right? And he's got the 12 with him who, who follow him on a daily basis. He says, if any of you wants to be a, a, my follower, any of you people in the crowd out here, if you want to follow me, here's what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we got to do, Jesus? You got to give up your own way. You got to take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, You'll save it. And what you what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you you yourself are lost and you're just or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, and in the glory of the Father of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, 
some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. Talking about his death on the cross and being resurrected, just like he had just told his disciples, it's going to happen. And he says, there's, there's people in this crowd who will see this come to pass, that the kingdom of God is here, and it's about to take place. It's all about to go down, and they will see it. And he tells the people, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you have to trust God. Just like he told the disciples when he sent them out of those villages. You have to trust God with everything that you have. You have to give up your will. You have to give up your control and put on Christ and put on God's will and do God's will and let God have control. You have to get on that cross because if you want to follow Jesus, the very first place that you start from is the cross. The cross. Think about this. What, what, what's, it, what's worth missing heaven? What's worth being rejected by God for eternity never to have a second chance ever? What is worth on this earth what is worth going to hell? Everything that we have, everything that we own, it's all temporary. I just heard of a, a, of a, a, a mobile home burning here in Maryville, my hometown. A little town right outside Maryville in Friendsville. You know, uh, everything those people owned, it was inside the house, gone. Burned up in just a matter of minutes. Everything that we have... As nice as it is, you can have the nicest car, the most expensive car, the biggest house, and filled with the most nicest, expensive things. But you know what? It's all temporary. We didn't have it when we come into this world, and we're not going to have it when we leave this world. And a good example uh, to, 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 to tell you about is look at the Egyptians. Look at the mummies. that uh, They were buried with all kinds of riches that they were supposed to take into the afterlife. Well, you know what? Grave robbers have gone in there and, 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 and gone on, uh, and found where these bodies were and, and took the loot that was supposed to have been taken to the afterlife. They did not take it into the afterlife because we don't take anything with us when we leave. It's all temporary. We can enjoy it while we're here, but once we take our last breath here on this earth, none of it matters. What matters is, is did I put my trust in God? Or did I put my trust in mankind? Did I put my trust in riches? Did I put my trust in other people? Did I put my trust in my own hands? Did I try to take care of my own situations? Or did I allow God to work in me and through me and to be glorified? And that's when it's hard. Because we want to be in control, and, 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 and it, it, like when we drive a car and we're steering that car, it, you know, it, we are in control of that car. Unless you drive like a Tesla or these new cars that will drive themselves. Which, but, but that would even that alone would scare me to death. There's no way I would get in one of those cars. I, I want I to get in the car to teach my kids to drive. My wife has to do that because I, I want to be in control. But that's the way we are with life. We want to be in control. And we're and God, who we can't even see, right? 
We can't even see God. We can't even see Jesus. And yet he's saying, you have got to trust me. I know what's best for you. Because we can only see what's in front of us. We, cannot, we, we, we know what's happened in the past, but we don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five seconds. God does. He sees beginning to end. We're limited by time. And we cannot see the future. And God knows what's best for us. And he's got that big old teddy bear behind his back. And he's got his hand extended out. And he's saying, trust me. Trust me. And he's saying, let go of your life and let me have control. It will be so much better if you do. It will be so much better for you. You will have blessings upon blessings upon blessings. You know it's not going to be easy. You're still going to have hard times. You're still going to have to endure the storms. But I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to help you through it. And, and, and when you do take your last breath on the earth, you're going to be with me for eternity, where there's no more pain, no more sorrow. It's just going to be just the most glorious place that we could ever imagine. Why would anybody not want to be in heaven for eternity? Why would anybody choose to reject what Jesus has done for us on the cross? And that's exactly what Jesus said to the crowd. If you want to follow me, you have to take it, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Have you done that? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you denied yourself? And you say, I don't want to live. The, my, my way is just not getting it done. I am so sick and tired of beating my head up against a brick wall. This is not working. I, there's got to be a better way. Well, there is a better way, and his name is Jesus. And he's here to walk with you, and he's here to help you through life. Life is hard, man. Life is very hard. But he will walk with us. And help us on a daily basis if we will relent or release control and allow him to have his way in our lives. Are you willing to do that? I pray that you are. If you need to make that decision and you don't know how to, get in contact with us here at the Grinded Podcast. And we will find somebody, no matter where you're at in the world, no matter where you're at in the United States or outside the United States, we will help you find a person or a place that will show you or tell you what you need to do to become a follower of Christ. You can email us. We'll pray for you. Do anything that we can to help you in your situation. We want to encourage you in any way that we can. So email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and we will respond as quickly as possible. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I hope to see you or have you back and join us as we finish up Luke chapter 9 in the next podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus. 
keep grinding.